Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. Hey, good morning. I'm Rich Cummings. Um, So when my wife Stephanie and I were first dating, all the way back in 2006, we started attending a John Piper study. And there were things in that study that really made me think and helped me put some pieces together in my mind regarding my faith. There was a question. It said, interact with this statement. You shouldn't live a life devoted to pleasure. You should live a life devoted to God. On the surface, it seems really straightforward. You should live a life devoted to God, not pleasure. Easy. Done. But here's the thing. In the context of the study, it was a bit of a trick question. It posed the statement as an either-or. You either live a life devoted to pleasure, or you live a life devoted to God. You can't have both. They're mutually exclusive. But I'm not so sure. Obviously, seeking sinful pleasures is wrong, and elevating pursuit of pleasure above God isn't good either. But I'm not sure the two statements have to be in conflict. When I was a teenager, I came to Christ with a hellfire and brimstone message, and I definitely wanted to avoid hell. But honestly, I wasn't that interested in heaven. My idea of God as Father was pretty messed up, and I didn't trust God very much. As I look back, I was just trying to do the bare minimum to try and stay okay. And if you'd asked me back then if you could live a life devoted to pleasure and a life devoted to God, I'm pretty sure I would have said, no, you can't. Because I just didn't see the joy. But the truth is, our happiness and satisfaction only comes from God. The psalmist reminds us of God that you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Jesus promises that I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. God has both the means and the desire for our happiness. But even more than that, he made us with a purpose. In Ephesians 2.10, we're told, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I love the picture of being God's handiwork. Each of us personally handmade by the master artisan, the God of the universe. God has personally shaped each of us, giving us particular gifts, particular talents, particular passions. And he made each of us in Christ Jesus to do good works. And our satisfaction lies in that fact. If I want to live a life devoted to pleasure, that means pursuing God's calling in my life and doing the good works that he has shaped me to do. In C.S. Lewis' book, Mere Christianity, he talks about how all the worst of human history is just the terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. But he explains that God made us, invents us as a man, invents an engine. A car is made to run on petrol, and it would not run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel. Our spirits were designed to burn. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it's not there. There's no such thing. God made us to be connected with him. On the wall in the main living area of our home, I have a print with the words, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. When I look at it, it helps me consider that God made me 
with the purpose to glorify him, to worship him, exalt him. I won't be happy in any other state. But God's absolutely worthy of it. Our God's awesome. He's good and loving and just. He's full of grace and mercy. He's worthy of our praise. But for me, the second part of the statement is why this is on my wall. God made us to enjoy him forever. Our happiness didn't have to factor into anything, but God loves us and wants to be in relationship with us. He wants us to enjoy him always and forever. And I love the picture of spending eternity enjoying my God. Now, I don't want to be confusing. Obviously, living a life devoted to God contains much hardship and suffering. As Christians, we're not immune to life's challenges. There are many scriptures that talk about intentionally suffering for Christ. Take up your cross and follow me. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. What I am saying is that with the Christian life comes the most joy, the most happiness, and even when we're suffering, God is there with us. Our true joy and happiness won't fully come this side of heaven, but I do believe that the life that brings the most pleasure and happiness is the life devoted to God. Thank you. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. I got four minutes and 50 seconds to talk to you about one scripture. I'm going to keep it simple today. Uh, I'm not the greatest orator. I'm not the greatest. I'm not going to call myself a preacher or anything, but I just believe that I have a, a gift on this planet where I can try to encourage people, exhort people. So what I want to do today is exhort us to uh, be in a mind, mindset of praise, be mindfulness of gratitude this morning. Uh, the, the scripture that I want to lay out for you is uh, one that's dear to my heart. It's, it's 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, 16 through 18. And it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks to all, in, excuse me, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What I want to talk about today is, is, is something my mother taught me a long time ago. She said there's two phrases in life that will get you a long way. One is I'm sorry, and the other one is thank you. And when I say I'm sorry, I'm not talking about my bad. That has nothing to do with I'm sorry. I'm talking about I'm sorry, all right? And thank you is so heavy. If we just resonate and let thank you resonate through our spirits and how important it is to be able to say thank you to, to anyone in front of us when we really have gratitude. Parents, just think about what it means for your children when they bring home a gift to you or they just want to say thank you and bring you something from home or they write you a little note or they draw you a picture or things like that. God loves those praises as well. He loves that gratitude as well. Uh, And one thing I learned early in music school, um, one of the phrases I carry around with me is, is a phrase that says, the more you love music, the more music you learn to love. Through the years, Matt, I've taken that and kind of mutated it, and I've substituted the word out uh, of music for people. The more you love people, the more people you learn to love. The more that you take, take out uh, love and fully appreciate, the more that you learn to appreciate people, the more people you learn to appreciate. And what I want us to do right now, I want us all to pull our phones out. I know that's against, against uh, a lot of rules today, but I want everybody to pull your phones out, hold them up high, and I'm going to challenge you right now to go to that genius that we call Siri, in our phones for iPhone users, or go to Mr. Google. Do this real quick, and you can speak to your phone and say, how many days has it been since the day I was born? Or you can type it in. And 
Feel free to interrupt me once you get the number. Just somebody shout it out. I will boldly shout out and tell you, I am 20,963 days old, Chuck. All right? Proudly, I will say that. You subtract one number from that, that is how many tomorrows we've been given. So I've been given 900, excuse me, 20,962 tomorrows, and how many were promised to me? Absolutely none. I say this because one thing can go wrong in our life. Hello, DeMar Hamlin. We saw that tragedy on the football field. We saw a kid die on the football field, but what had to go right for that man not to be resuscitated? That man was resurrected. We saw a miracle that day. I want people to understand that every day you wake up, every day you encounter someone, you're encountering a miracle of God. The beauty that stands in front of you is an artwork and a creation of God, and we need to appreciate that in each other and tell each other how much we love them and how much we appreciate them. Another thing I want to share with you is a quick story from my granny. Her name is Willie Mae Foreman. She passed away at the age of 98, we think. The woman didn't know her age because she came up through a time where education was not valued for people that looked like her. But every time I took my kids up there, she was my great-grandma, so I wanted my kids to be able to get into the house, get, get, get into the habit of being able to inter- interact with a great-great-grandmother. But every time we go up there, there was always a plate of food for us, waiting for us, because people say food is love. She would prepare food for us, and under her breath, she always was saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity. But she never would eat because she was always in arthritic pain. She didn't have much of an appetite, but she always served us. That will always resonate with me because that woman lived through Jim Crow. (laughs) She survived through one of the roughest periods in our country that we've ever endured, and yet she had the attitude of gratitude. And I tell us today that none of us are here by accident. And remember, there's only one you. There will never be another Arlene Soto on this planet. So value the time that we, we have with this sister. Value the time we have with each other. Because guess what? We never know when our time is up. So blessings. Have a wonderful day. <clears throat> These are my earbuds. And you can ask my parents. I wear them all the time. I looked at my phone this morning. And this past week, I listened to 22 hours and 50 minutes of music. A whole day's worth of music. And if you go around today, you see a lot of people wearing earbuds and earphones all around. And really what it is, is it's a distraction for us. You know, you know, got something going on at work, you got something, a new job, new interview, medical issues. We don't like to think about it, so we like to distract ourselves. And I think that in our spiritual walk, we get distracted often, whether we seek it out intentionally or just by happenstance. Sometimes I think even when we chase after God, we end up chasing distractions. But God doesn't really find us in these places, and we end up getting farther and farther away. What God really does is he finds us in silence, in the quiet. I have a great example of this. In 1 Kings 19, we see the prophet Elijah. We see him after a great victory over the prophets of Baal, an idol of that time, very popular. He called on God's name, on his power, and God rained fire from heaven to wipe out the prophets of Baal. It's amazing. He was a first-hand witness of God's power and the power he held by his relationship with him. But when the queen of that time, Queen Jezebel, you might have heard of her, 
heard about this, she said, I swear by all the gods, all the false idols, I will kill Elijah for what he's done. (laughs) Scary, right? Oh, he thought it was scary. He got distracted. He heard this and he ran away. After calling down fire from heaven, he ran away. And he ran to the foothills and he put under a tree to lay down and he said, God, I'm the last of your prophets. This is, I'm tired. I'm hungry. People are trying to kill me. It's terrible. I would rather die than be here anymore. So he fell asleep, and immediately God sent an angel. The Bible says it sent the word of the Lord to him. And he said, Elijah, get up, eat and drink. The journey's long. He got up, he ate and drank. He went back to sleep. And again, the angel came, and he ate and drank, went back to sleep. It doesn't feel better after a nap and a hot meal, right? Well, after that, he walked 40 days into the wilderness until he came upon a mountain where the Holy Spirit came to him once more and said, go to the mountain, go to this cave, and the Lord will come to you. So he went there, and he went to the mouth of the cave, and he looked out, and God sent a great wind ahead of him. And it says that the wind was so strong and so loud that it shattered the rocks of the mountain. But God was not in the wind. He wasn't in that distraction. He wasn't in the noise. Next came an earthquake, and the earthquake shook the mountain that he was in, and rocks were falling, but the Lord was not in that earthquake. He wasn't in the distraction. Lastly came a great fire that swept across the mountain face and burned up everything around it. But the Lord was not in that distraction. See, only after all this came a gentle whisper. Silence. A quiet wind. And that's where God was in. And he came to him in that moment of silence, in that quiet, and he gave him comfort, he gave him instruction, and he gave him peace for the next moment forward. So we don't like silence. It's unpleasant, it's uncomfortable, it can be awkward. But often, God's just waiting for us in that quiet. He's waiting for our moment of peace to move forward. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. A command from God, instructions, to take a moment, to be quiet, to just sit. For the next 20, 30 seconds, I'd like us just to sit in quiet, absolute silence, and try and listen to what God has to say to us. It's uncomfortable, right? It's awkward. We don't like sitting in silence. We like the distraction. We like the noise. But if you would take a moment this next week to just sit in silence and let God come to you, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. I go to Wilmington High School. And I have heard firsthand of what the people right across that yard have to say about the church and religion. I've heard them say that, like us as a congregation, are discriminatory, prejudiced, and exclusive. And the ones that truly think like that 
overshadow the ones that choose to show love. Inclusiveness is defined as allowing everyone, despite any differences, to participate in an activity. Romans chapter 15, verse 7, says that we should welcome one another just like Christ has welcomed us. And I have seen people of the church that have a feeling of superiority because they go to church or read their Bible. And I thought God's love is not just for the people within these four walls, but it's for everyone. The church should not be a hotel for Christians, but it should be a hospital for sinners. Jesus tells us to love thy neighbor, but then why would we leave our neighbor in their sin? 1 Peter chapter 15, verse 14 tells us to greet one another with a kiss of love, even if they are different. Us as Christians have a responsibility to bring in people that we feel need saved and not avoid them. We cannot exclude anyone based on their differences. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12, that what business is our mind to judge those outside the church? And then it's followed up in verse 13 that says, God will judge those who are outside. This means that it's not our job to pick and choose what people come to church, but I see it as we need to bring in as many as we can, especially the ones that we see that are most different from us. Then it is up to God to judge their soul. We see people on the street that we mark as a sinner, but isn't that all the more reason to reach out and give them a chance at the salvation we all have? If someone doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, then that is when we need to bring them to Jesus. Think about if you were down a bad path, bad path, wouldn't you want someone to pull you back? This is what we need to do to the others. We also need to stop acting like we are above someone else just because they made mistakes. It was Jesus who got down on his knees and washed um, the feet of his disciples. It was Jesus that ate dinner with a man everyone labeled as a sinner. Jesus chose people that were looked down upon as his disciples. He chose fishermen who were the lowest of the low at the time. He chose tax collectors and he chose assassins to all be his disciples. So why can't we choose people that are different from us if Jesus did? Jesus was a person who was very against prejudice and discrimination. So why are we prejudiced and discriminatory to others that are outside the church? One of the biggest goals of Christianity is to act and be like Jesus. And this is a way we can do that. We can become less prejudiced and lower ourselves to give other a chance, others a chance. We don't need to accept the, pe- the person's sin. We just need to accept them as a person. That is giving someone a chance to feel the love of God that we all desire and come to church for so much. A simple way to do this is just to invite someone to church or tell them what you learned at a service. It's a simple question that can lead to so many more being saved. So I challenge you to go out and connect with your neighbor and show them what the church is and should really be about. I'm now going to pray that we take that challenge. Dear God, I pray to you that all these people will take this challenge to show others that are outside what the true intent of the church is, and maybe even have them bring in some new people and show them firsthand. Amen. And remember, 
we should not act like the church is a hotel for us as Christians, but we should treat it as a hospital for those who need it most and the people that sin. Thank you. My name is Sam Stoffer, and I've grown up as a part of the Wilmington Church of Christ family since I was a kid. I was baptized here, married here, I lead a small group as part of the Impact Student Ministry, and I also co-lead the Strong Chords small group with my wife, Caitlin, and John Lutchell. Most importantly, however, I'm a pretty fast typer, and I can type over 70 words per minute. For those of you that weren't here a few weeks ago, that was a joke that Dale made. All joking aside, today I want to draw your attention to God. God who, in the beginning, created the one who loves you and I so much that he sacrificed his own son, the one who knew you in your inmost being before you even came into the world. I want to draw your attention to the amazing amount of detail, planning, and beauty that God creates. God's word alone is testament to this. Reading through the Bible, you may notice some different parallels. Things like the Synoptic Gospels, references from the Old Testament and the New Testament, just to name a couple examples. One of the examples that I'd like to point out to you today is the opening from Genesis when compared to John. Genesis 1-1 records, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John 1-1 records, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, God illustrates just in this simple way that he has everything under control. He had the forethought that while creating everything in the universe, he would have in the recorded scripture of that account, a parallel. If he knew then what was going to happen with his creation and everything in it, don't you think it's likely that he knows exactly what's going to happen in 2023? I don't know about you, but just knowing things like that gives me peace in life, that God has everything under control. He has it planned. He knows exactly what we need to do, how to go about everything in the best way. Sometimes, though, that's easier said than done. Another example of a parallel that I want to point out to you today is the story of Abraham and Isaac when compared to the crucifixion. You see, in Genesis 22:2, it's recorded that then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. And later in John chapter 3, we see this similar idea. John 3:16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, these two passages of Scripture are, for me, some of the most beautiful depictions, not only because of how central the theme of sacrifice is, but because of how almost one-to-one this uh, comparison is. Son, check. Sacrifice, check. Mountain, check. Even down to the point of the ram and Jesus are both dying to cover sins that they never committed. Both passages, while recording the same idea here that there is this sacrifice to be of the one and only son, but even in these situations, when we look at how they turn out from God's point of view, we see just how perfectly he planned and knew what it would be that would come to pass. For Isaac, he doesn't get sacrificed. God at the last moment sends a ram in place of Isaac, tells Abraham to stop, and allows the ram to take place of the sacrifice. Uh, The same thing happens with Jesus when he is to be sacrificed on the cross. 
But instead of him dying for all eternity, he takes all our sins, leaves them in the grave, and then comes back to bring us eternal life with him and the Father. You see, parallels like these can even be found in your own life. For example, one of the ones that I'll point out to you is actually Levi's, who just finished speaking. Uh, Earlier, he was telling us about how um, he was asked to come on and do the five-by-five. And uh, it was ironic because this was months ago when he was working on a college paper. And in the college paper, he was actually writing about the same subject that he presented for you guys today. And so God works in these ways in our lives. He plans these things out, and he knows what it is that he wants for you in his life. So as you go about your life this week, I just want you, I just want to invite you to look for those parallels in your own life. Relate them back to God and his plan for you. After all, he created you, and he knew you and your inmost being before you were even created. Imagine then just what God has planned for you and the blessings that await you in heaven. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, be sure to fill out a connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.